Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The, I'll simply say it's on again, it's on again, whoa, edition. As I get you set for the start of training camp by looking at some of the key storylines before getting to my two guests, team president Mike Brown and my broadcast partner Dave Lapham. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. It's free to play next level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since Devin Young's Sneakers. I feel 20 years younger and at least 87% cooler after getting a pair of custom-designed sneakers that were done by a young man named Devin Young. He does amazing work and has designed shoes for current and former Bengals players, along with some Bengals fans. I can't speak for them, but I feel like I'll be wearing works of art on my feet, and my size 13s provide a big canvas. But don't take my word for it. If you would like to see what I mean, go to Instagram and search for DS Heat Customs. Again, that's DS Heat Customs. In the words of Mars Blackman, it must be the shoes. Now, let's look ahead to the start of training camp, beginning with some of the most important storylines. As you probably know by now, the news broke on Tuesday that Joe Burrow needs surgery to remove his appendix. It sucks for Joe, but appendectomies are considered to be routine procedures, and he should be able to practice within a couple of weeks. For the sake of comparison, the UC Bearcats had a long snapper back in 2018 named Zach Wood out of McNicholas High School, Kevin Huber's alma mater, who played in a game nine days after an appendectomy. Then there's the status of Jesse Bates. He has not signed the $12.9 million franchise tag yet and did not report on time for the beginning of training camp. But Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor expect him to eventually sign the tag and be ready to go. Well, we, we, we trust Jesse's going to be in shape. That's just who Jesse is, and Jesse will be ready to go. We, we, uh, we, we have high hopes to have a great year together with Jesse again and, and to be right back where we were uh, with him. Um, we tried for a couple of years. It didn't come together. There's no hard feelings there. It, uh, it, it's got to work for us, and it has to work for him, and sometimes things don't come together. Maybe there'll be a chance in the future that something comes comes together uh, in a way that that we all feel good about uh, but you know at, at this point we're we're focused on having the best possible year we can and and Jesse's a part of that and uh, a big part of it got nothing but love for Jesse he's a he is a uh, success story you know he's a draft choice here that's developed and become an outstanding football player when he comes we'll be excited to have him he's, he's a great person great player great leader for us and, and when he shows up, we know that he'll be in shape and ready to hit the ground running. And I'm not going to predict a timeline on when he shows up. That's up to him. But, again, he's, I know Jesse. I know that he's working, and he's preparing himself to, uh, again, have a great season. So just look forward to when he comes. We'll be ready for him. On the injury front, we knew that right guard Alex Kappa might miss the start of camp since he had surgery to repair a core muscle injury, and he is on the physically unable to perform list or the pup list, along with Joe Bocci, Khalid Kareem, Samaj P. Ryan, and Brandon Wilson. 
But we got a little bit of a surprise over the weekend when the team announced that right tackle Lael Collins would begin camp on the non-football injury list. That's for players whose injuries did not occur during practices or games. Here's Coach Taylor. He's dealing with an issue with his back, you know, and it's something he's experienced before. And him and, and vets that kind of go through this stuff uh, on the coaching side and the medical side, we want to be slow to, to get those guys back into the mix. Um, we know it's a long training camp. He's got a lot of reps under his belt. Um, he feels good about where, where he's at, and we do too. And so we'll, we'll be slow to go with him and, and Alex. But there's good news on the injury front as well. T. Higgins and Joseph Osai, who did not practice during OTAs, are good to go for the start of training camp. Osai was the star of the Bengals' preseason opener last year with seven quarterback pressures and a sack of Tom Brady before he hurt his wrist and knee in that game. Duke Tobin is eager to see him back on the practice field. We'll work him back in, and, and, and the coaches will be cognizant of, of the fact that he's been out for quite a while. So uh, we'll work him back in at his speed, and, and hopefully he'll show what he showed down in Tampa last year. You know, he was going to be Bruce Smith there for a, for a very short period of time. So maybe that'll evolve. While the Bengals are hoping that Osai can boost their pass rush, especially on third down, the biggest battle for a starting spot at training camp is at left guard, where the leading candidates are Jackson Carmen and rookie fourth-round draft pick Cordell Volson. Once again, here's Duke. We think we've got pretty talented guys that will be competing, and uh, it'll be good when, when the whole the group of five actually solidifies and, and kind of gets confidence in each other. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I'm not going to make any predictions. I, uh, I, I think it's, uh, it, it is what it is, and we'll, uh, and we'll see who, uh, who's the best five you know, to start the season. But I know one thing, you're going to need more than five as the year goes on. Uh, you never only get through with five. You're going to need six, seven, eight, nine, and two practice squad guys that are ready to play at a moment's notice. Regardless of who wins that left guard spot, Mike Brown expects the O-line to be vastly improved. We've tried our best to uh, add people there. Karras, Kappa, Collins, they're veteran players. They should come in and be able to shore up our performance, make us better. I want to see how it comes together. I'm hopeful that it'll turn the trick and give us better protection for Joe. Uh, we're aware of the uh, shortfall there last year, believe me. And uh, we'll see if this can help. Uh, I th- think it can. Uh, I want it to. But uh, the proof is in the pudding. More with Mike Brown coming up shortly, but first, a brief visit with special teams coordinator Darren Simmons, who will oversee a training camp battle at punter between 37-year-old Kevin Huber and 25-year-old Drew Chrisman. You know, I, I think it was unique. I told Kevin and, and Drew that uh, the competition really wouldn't start until training camp comes around, and I think that affords Kevin the best opportunity, you know, to not punt himself out during OTAs. And uh, I think it's the right way to go about it. And, and so we'll see what kind of shape he's, he is uh, coming back into it. Um, you know, Drew's had the opportunity to punt here for a couple of days with the rookies and to kind of get him his feet underneath him a little bit. 
But yeah, it'll be unique for Kevin. It'll be the first time that uh, he's been pushed. He's a competitive guy. He knows how this league works, and, and you know I expect nothing but his best shot. And uh, you know it, it'll take Drew's best shot to unseat him. You know, quite frankly. And uh, but but I think that's what you want. I, I think you want you want to keep the best guy, and the guy who's going to give our team the best opportunity to you know not only exchange field position in the punting game, but also to score points in the field goal portion of it too so the, the field goal the holding will have you know an effect on that as well how big of an effect kevin estimated to me that holding is 60 percent of the job now yeah well i, I kind of gave him that assessment you know uh at, at the end of the year you know i i would tell you it was probably flipped before that you know with the advent of of uh, and the way that we use analytics now too we go for it so much more in fourth down um, and with the weapon we have, is you know, at the kicker position now, it, it uh, really expands the field for us. So, I would have said before that probably sixty percent of the punter's job was punting and forty percent was holding. And I think I'd probably flip that now. I'd probably think that fifty-five percent of his job is holding and forty-five percent is, is actually punting. Um, and that's a good thing. And that means we're getting an opportunity to score points. Uh, so I think that's pretty accurate. You were able to sign the highest-rated long snapper in college football last year as an undrafted free agent. Is that competition similar to the punting competition? Yeah, I, I think, wait, why the hell not? You know, getting, <laughs> getting Kevin, Kevin's getting pushed, so why not push Clark too? No, I, I think that uh, at some point here that the, uh, you know, Father Time's going to catch up with those two guys, and it's going to be up to them when that time is. Is it this year? Is it next year? Is it three years from now? I don't know. Uh, but, but I think I owe it to our team to... Uh, push those two positions and push those two players specifically as hard as I can because it's it uh, uh, you know it's it's that, it's that important for where we're at as a team um, and I think you know I, I think they both need to keep working to improve Kevin and Clark I mean um, you know on the deficiencies deficiencies that they had I don't think Kevin punted his best down the stretch last year uh, I think he struggled down the stretch and that's probably why we're even having this conversation uh, and so he knows that he feels that and, and I think he's uh, uh, you know, on board, I think he's probably excited about having competition. It's it's be the first time he's had that. Who are your top candidates to return kicks and punts? Well, it, you know, with the uncertainty, probably Brandon Wilson. You know, uncertainty of what his injury brings. Uh, you know, it really opens that spot up. Um, a couple of candidates, I think Chris Evans will will, will get a shot in there. You know, he, he was uh, somebody who did that for the first time in the Cleveland game. You know, and then ultimately did it throughout the playoffs and handled the, handled the position well enough. Uh, but but I think what he lacks, obviously, is experience. Um, I, I think Puka Williams will get a crack at that, and I think Kwame Lasher will get a crack at that too. I mean, those are you know a couple three guys that's at the kick return spots, and you know at the punt return spot, I think it'll you know Trent Taylor will be the first guy that trots out there um, as the incumbent, but he'll be pushed hard by Puka and, and Kwame also. Um, you know, I've told Kwame and, and Puka both that I mean the only, their only opportunity to make our team is to be the punt returner. And uh, I think they both understand how critical that spot's going to be for them. That's that's the only way they're going to unseat Trent, or it's really only where they're going to be on the 46-man roster is to is to be the starting returner, starting punt returner specifically. So um, those are a couple guys that you know, three guys really at each spot. That um, it's pretty wide open, honestly. Before we get to my one-on-one conversation with Mike Brown, here's a reminder that the Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. This past season, Ultimate Bengals awarded a weekly winner during the course of the year with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. We recently learned that the Bengals have been negotiating with local companies about selling naming rights to Paul Brown Stadium. 
That was one of the topics I discussed with team president Mike Brown when I had the opportunity to spend about 10 minutes with him on Monday. Mike, 2021 was one of the most successful seasons in franchise history. How did you celebrate the big postseason wins? Do you save a special bottle of wine? Do you and Nancy go out for dinner? Do you do anything after those big victories? No, uh, I just sit and feel pretty good. (laughs) And that's the extent of uh, celebration for me. I'm an old man now, and those games are night games. Uh, I'm not looking to... uh, I jump up in the air and click my heels. It, it uh, was a great run, though. It, it was as uh, exciting uh, a, a playoff run as you're ever going to see. And uh, I just uh, couldn't have felt happier about uh, how all of that went. It was a good year. What sticks with you more, an exhilarating win or a heartbreaking loss? Oh, I probably uh, remember the losses. They stick in your craw. Uh, You uh, uh, remember Super Bowl losses more than uh, others. We're here with Dave Lapham. And uh, were you in one of those games, the second game or the first First game? First one, yeah, Super Bowl 16. And I don't care... uh, uh, That was a close game. We could have won that game. and you just don't uh, get it out of your uh, mind. It has a little spot back there, then it, it pops up every once in a while. You told me once that that first Super Bowl, Super Bowl 16, was the loss that hurts the most because you thought that the Bengals were the better team. Do you still feel that way? Is that the one that stands out most of all? Well, I, I have to confess I did think we were the better team. Uh, you can't win when you turn the ball over like we did in that game. But I would have liked to have had another chance at it. Of course, you don't get but one chance. And uh, we came up short. To their credit, they played well. I thought uh, Kenny Anderson outplayed uh, Montana in that game. And uh, I... I uh, remember afterwards having the uh, worst headache I've ever had in my life. Uh, It just uh, was what you get when you lose. It was recently announced that the Bengals are negotiating to possibly sell naming rights to Paul Brown Stadium. Why is that important to the long-term health of the franchise, and how difficult is that for you personally? Well, I think my dad would have understood. I think he would even have approved it. Uh, in his mind, what mattered most was the team. Uh, this gives us a revenue stream if we go forward with it, and uh, we need that for doing things such as the uh, indoor facility we're building uh, to help us uh, when we get to signing some of our uh, headline players. Uh, that's going to be a real challenge. Uh, we uh, have things to uh, spend that money on believe me and it will help us Uh, we need some help because we're a small market team and our revenues don't normally match up with the uh, large revenue teams we have to do with less and this will give us a little more to work with last year joe burrow became just the seventh quarterback to start a super bowl in his second season joining names like dan marino tom brady ben roethlisberger and other all-time greats of Joe's many great qualities, what stands out most to you? 
Oh, probably his poise. Uh, he he, uh, he can see the field. He has a sense of the rush. Uh, he never flusters. He uh, uh, is accurate, of course, as a passer. He can move and run a little bit. Uh, but when you get down to it, it's the way he thinks that is most impressive. He's got a quick mind, a good football mind. Let's move to Jamar Chase. He had a record-setting rookie year. He was spectacular, but in training camp in the preseason, he struggled. He couldn't catch a cold for a while there. Were you worried at all, or did history tell you that Jamar Chase was going to be fine? Well, what told me Jamar Chase was going to be fine when Jamar Chase was fine, (laughs) and he was fine in, in capital letters, we all saw it. It was unbelievable. He had a great, great season. Uh, he's a, a tremendous talent, and he now has to face a new season, and they'll be looking at him more than ever, and he'll have to be ready for it and, and uh, keep the ball rolling. I think he will. What did you think of Zach Taylor's idea to hand out game balls to fans at local bars and restaurants after the playoff wins? Well, I thought it was nice. Uh, he uh, has a mindset to him. He thinks about other people. And uh, I was appreciative of that and some of the other things he uh, does. He's a good ambassador for the Bengals off the field. And that's just his nature. He seems to come by it naturally. I don't think anything galvanizes a city quite like a successful championship-level NFL team. What did you think of the way Bengals fans responded to last season? I thought it was uh, wonderful. I, I uh, thought at the game when we beat the Raiders here that you couldn't have had a stadium more live than that one was. And then our fans uh, were so pleased with how it went. It was coming out of the COVID time. And this was a moment when they could get involved publicly again uh, with each other. And it just caught fire. It was uh, as exciting uh, a time for our pro football team in Cincinnati as any that I remember. We had good times in 82 and 88, but I'd have to say this last one probably uh, was the most uh, exciting uh, uh, season. The fan base is very excited about the white alternate helmet that is coming in 2022. What was your reaction when you saw that? Uh, it's a white alternate helmet with black stripes. And uh, I, uh, I, 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 the women uh, are excited about it. And, and my uh, family, uh, my granddaughters and my uh, daughter and my wife, uh, you know, they just tell me I don't know what I'm doing. So uh, they like it a lot, and I, I think uh, I'll like it too. You joke when your granddaughters ask you to do something where the franchise is concerned, uh, you typically say yes. But in all seriousness, Elizabeth and Caroline have had a pretty remarkable impact on the franchise in the last year or so. Yeah, they got some things straightened out. Uh, They are, in a way, inside and outside. Uh, They had time to look at it from the outside, and let's face it, we were going through some tough 
uh, years, and we needed a boost. We needed to do a few things that uh, got the public behind us better. The uh, uh, Ring of Honor certainly is one of those. Uh, for some reason, the public seems to uh, insist on a uh, indoor facility. They'll never be in there. Why do they insist on that? But uh, we're going to have it for the players now, and I think they'll like it. It'll be a warmer spot to practice. Uh, I always felt that uh, your NFL player, a little cold and snow, what the heck. But uh, now we'll be uh, uh, a little bit uh, warmer, and it'll be easier for them. Paul Doherty recently retired from the Enquirer, and when asked about you, he said one of the things he admired most was that no matter how harshly he criticized you, you never seemed to take it personally. Is he right about that, or how do you handle that? Well, I know I shouldn't. Probably there's an occasion or two when I might, but uh, not for long. The writers are doing a task. They're doing what they do. And uh, the TV guys, the same thing. Uh, All of this is just opinion, and it's uh, fleeting. Uh, It's on to the next day very quickly. Uh, I like Paul Doherty as a person. He's a very bright guy, and uh, I find him an interesting person to uh, talk to. Uh, I uh, wish him well in uh, retirement, whatever he's going to do with it. John Madden passed away this past year. What was your relationship like with John Madden? Well, he was not too far off my age, and uh, we were sort of friendly. Uh, uh, I knew him uh, mainly after he uh, was let go, uh, or rather retired, as a football coach, and before he became a um, uh, big-time telecaster. And uh, we were just aware of each other. We would talk. I would say we were the kind of people that were on a first-name basis and uh, friendly to each other, interested in the other's views on uh, the different subjects that came up to... uh, 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 came in front of the NFL, and uh, I liked him. He was easy to like, uh, a nice guy, and uh, I think he did a, an amazing uh, uh, dual performance. Uh, a great coach, and uh, just as good an announcer as well. This will be the Bengals' 55th season. Do you get as excited for the start of training camp as you did now all of the previous 54? Uh, I don't know that excited is the word for me. Probably concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I get concerned more? Yes. <laughs> I, it just is what I do. And I uh, am uh, conditioned to believe it's the natural uh, way, and I look forward to it. I like being around the players and coaches. I feel very lucky at my stage of life to be able to do that. And uh, here we go again. I uh, find it uh, hard to believe that I have grown to be so old, but uh, as long as I can hang on, I'll probably hang on. Always appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Uh, Good to be with you. Finally, time for an in-depth training camp preview with my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. 
Lap, there are a lot of intriguing storylines going into this training camp, the improvements on the offensive line, the status of Jesse Bates, etc. What are the, the things that are the top of your list that you're looking forward to watching when camp gets underway? Yeah, I mean, I think you've hit on um, a couple of big ones, you know. I think offensively, the offensive line play is going to be huge. Um, I expect it to be much improved. I think it's going to ease a big burden on the uh, offensive coaching staff. To me, in hindsight, reflecting on last year, the game planning that they had to do was five times harder than it should have been because they were trying to figure out how to cover up a weakness here, a problem there. And instead of just game planning and, and attacking areas of the field, they had to cover things up and maybe not attack areas of the field the way they wanted to with route combinations and all that sort of thing because they just didn't have the protection ability and unless you go six men protection all the time you know to block four guys which is tough you're eliminating another one of your receivers so at some point you have to line up and handle one-on-one situations and um, I think this group will be able to handle that better and I expect Joe to even perform at a higher level you know I think he's going to see the field uh, easier Um, I think he's going to you know, be able to attack areas of the field that he wasn't uh, thinking about attacking last year from the game plan. He's got the answers to everything from a test standpoint. He's a quick study, understands things so quickly. I mean, I, I just think they're going to be even better. I really do. And it starts with the with the running game. You know, they'll be able to con- control the line of scrimmage instead of Joe Mixon seeing numbers being pushed back at him. You know, they'll hopefully get a push at the line of scrimmage and he'll be able to make a cut at or beyond the line of scrimmage instead of making his first cut in his own backfield as many times as he had to. So, uh, you know, I, I think I think it starts there. And when it does start there, there'll be more, you know, second and fours, third and twos, and down a distance be in control of where you can run or throw the football, play action, pass it, you know, drop back when, when you feel like dropping back, dropping back to pass because you want to, not because you have to. And that's a big, big difference, and it's much easier to pass protect when you're dropping back because you want to instead of because you have to because your running game is good enough. So I, I think the offensive line is a huge story. It's a, it's a big deal. And, um, you know, as far as Jesse Bates is concerned, you know, I, I'd love to see him come in and play. And I hope he does. Whatever the number is, 14, 15, whatever the dollar figure is, uh, actually as a, as a tag player, as a franchise tag player, it's what, 13, 12.9, whatever. Mm-hmm. Why not come in and play? Because if you trade him, he has to play for that amount as well. That, that year he's locked now, no matter who he's playing for, at 12.9. Why not come back to uh, the defending AFC championship football team where you know guys – where guys respect you, you respect them, um, and go out and play your tail off. And then, okay, you, you, you bet on yourself, let the chips fall, and then after that, just decide what, what's going what's gonna to go down. I just can't fathom him not playing. I just, I just can't comprehend that one. So, uh, to me, it's a matter of I, I, don't, I, don't, see, I don't see the, the, the line in the sand having been drawn. You know, I, I think it's a difficult situation. It's a it's a business scenario. It's the it's probably the ugly part of the business in the national as far as the National Football League is concerned. But you can still handle it civilly on both sides, and I think they have mm-hmm. to as, as as good a point as you can in this situation. And I expect him to uh, to come and play, and, and I expect the coaches to 
I'm not saying uh, protect him as such because football is a violent game. But I don't think they're going to wear him out. And, you know, I think there's going to, you know, there'll probably be an understanding there that uh, you come in and, and, and you play for us. We're going to take care of you as well. And that's the way it should be. And you play for that almost $13 million a year and uh, and let the chips fall as they may afterwards. Have the, Go out and have the greatest year you've ever had, and hopefully your team wins the Super Bowl. I'm with you. He's made a total of about $6 million in the first four years of his NFL career. So he stands to make more than twice that this year, 12.9 mil. I find it hard to believe he would leave that on the table. Secondly, if he wants to get a contract that pays him as one of the top safeties in the NFL, he's not going to get that by sitting out. Right. He's going to get that by playing and playing well. Playing and playing well. Um, have a five, six interception year and uh, play in the Pro Bowl. You know, um, I think he averages, what, three interceptions a year maybe for, as a career player. Have a, have a career year. Go out and double that. Go out and have six interceptions, maybe five interceptions, whatever. And, uh, and have, have the best year you've had. Go to the Pro Bowl and make yourself as marketable as possible. If you don't play, I mean, how are you helping your marketability? You're not. You're just not. You know, now in the beginning of the prime seasons of your career, you're not doing anything. You're not on the football field playing. I just don't fathom it. I mean, it, to me, it's just, it doesn't make any kind of sense. And then how are you going to make up the $12.9 million? I mean, how do you make good on that? I mean, what kind of salary are you gonna are you gonna you know ask for to make up for not only the twelve point nine, but boy, maybe the years that you could have been making a heck of a lot more than you were making. The numbers you just threw out there, you could have been you know doubling down on that for a while. So I don't know. It's it, to me to me I don't dig myself a deeper hole to have to try to make good on and make up for. I, I go play and. Uh, 13 million a year, that's not an embarrassment. <laughs> that'll, that'll, that'll buy a lot of groceries. There's no question about that. It'll pay, pay a bunch of bills. So the Bengals go out and sign three veteran offensive linemen to rebuild the offensive line, and two of the three will not be able to practice to begin training camp. Alex Kappa and Lael Collins, how serious do you think these things are, and how quickly do they need to be back in order to develop that kind of offensive line chemistry you're trying to develop? Yeah, I think, I think that's, the, that's the thing. Um, is that they can't be part of the uh, not only not, well, they can be part of the meetings, but beyond the field where you're even even in drills that aren't live, you know, just half speed drills or whatever the case may be. You're starting to coordinate the steps between each other. You're starting to coordinate the depth of the pass protection sets. You know, oh boy, I better I better take my set a little bit deeper, or they'll be. Uh, stunting to death, they'll penetrate that end and pick me off, and that my tackle will be lo- looping. And you just start to get a feel for everything, um, and also the all-important communication. You know, sometimes it gets to a point where when you feel really comfortable with a guy, it's unspoken. You know, there's a blink of an eye, a, a nod, a wink, um, it, it, any kind of body language thing that you you work out. It's like you, you'll be in the huddle and say, "Okay, we're going to be. This is the call." Unless if I if I uh, Blink, I'm, I'm calling it off or I'm doing whatever. All of that stuff needs to take place a little bit. And it doesn't have to. You, you want it to take place some in the game, but the repetitions of practice, is, is, they're very important for that. Honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily play a whole lot of veterans, a whole lot of playing time in any of the preseason games. I just wouldn't. I mean, you got, you got something good going on here. And, uh, you know, these guys all take care of themselves. They all work out hard. They're all going to be ready to play. 
I'm not saying to, you know, to just let them all sit out training camp. You're going to have to do, uh, you know, that, that portion of things, get yourself physically and mentally ready. But in my mind, the two most important days of training camp are going to be the two days that they practice against the Rams because that will be a controlled environment where things will be, you know, pretty frisky and but not, not a game situation where you're risking serious injury or whatever, but you can time things out. You know, it's, it's okay, it's live in the, in the offensive and defensive line, but no tackling. You know, or it's live here, but we're not going to take it to the very end um, in terms of finishing plays. That's where I think those two days are going to be probably unbelievably important getting the team ready for the uh, season because it's against a really good team with really good people who won a Super Bowl. Well, you know, you played against them. You know how good they are. I think I think that those two days are probably – I don't think any of the veterans on either team are going to play in that preseason game. I don't think anybody will see the field. Um so national television is going to have a little interesting story to tell there. But I, I do think that those workouts are going to be must-see. I think those are going to be pretty pretty good. I, th- I think that's going to be uh, a, a big, big barometer to for the coaches seeing how ready the team is to start the season. So the big position battle going into training camp is left guard. Who will be the starting left guard? In your mind, is it Jackson Carmen's job to lose, or is it more wide open than that? I mean, you have to have somebody. You have to line them up somehow. And I don't, I don't think that he, it's necessarily his job to lose. I think it is pretty wide open. Um, but, but I think when, whenever, if, if I'm in the situation that they're all in as a competitor, I want to have that first opportunity and not give it up. You know, to, to me, defending that 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 spot. Okay, I, I'm lining up with the first group. I want to stay there. To me, that's a. Um, I'm not saying an easier task, but mentally, I'd be feeling like I just need to do my job, and I need to do my job well. I don't need to try to do too much. I just need to do my job well. I think it's going to be very interesting. I, I'm, I'm impressed with Volson because I think he has the physical stuff, and he seems like he's a quick study. He seems like he's he's getting it, picking it up pretty darn quickly from what I can see out in the football field. It, it, it's like when when a coach tells a player something, you know, you can, you can tell if players are you know really kind of grasping it or not by body language sometimes, and then the very next snap, okay, did they make an adjustment? He he's all that I think. So I, I think it's going to be a very competitive situation, I think, between, between those two guys. Um, you know, the, the real intriguing guy for me is Ben Brown because I think he showed that he's got the feet and he's got the hands, and those are the two things you have to have to compete athletically in anything, and good footwork to start you off and hands to finish in a lot of uh, things in sports. And I think that's the case with him. Um, in, in his situation, I want to see shoulder pads and helmet. I want to see how he adapts mentally, how quick a study he is. Um, all those, all those kind of, uh, all those kind of variables. Will he st- keep up? Will he lag behind? I, I, it's going to be interesting to tell. I, I, he's he's a very interesting guy to me. Um, I'm not sure they're looking at him necessarily to be a guard. I think he and Trey Hill are having a training camp battle. Mm-hmm. He and Trey Hill are basically backup center swing guard, you know, and who, which guy's going to be able to handle it. So if, if I'm Ben Brown, I'm trying to unseat Trey Hill. That's that's my the first thing on my agenda. 
And if you continue to ascend and continue to show you can play, you know, who knows? Maybe you do get an opportunity uh, for, for more than that. But that, that one is going to be a very good training camp battle in my mind to watch those two guys. And I don't project either one of them to, to be in the starting five, but uh, you have to have versatility. You have to have position versatility and in, in who's going to show the most of that. I think a lot of us were surprised to see Lael Collins begin training camp on the non-football injury list. Hopefully this back problem that he has is not too serious. But I was pleasantly surprised that Joseph Osai was not on the pup list. He's good to go. The knee is better. The wrist is now better. That's very encouraging because he's a guy that potentially could have a huge impact now that he's healthy. Yeah, and, and Dan, I mean, they got so many... Uh, younger guys. I mean, Collins is the old guy. Collins is going into his, into his eighth year, and he's had lower back problems before. So, you know, is it a is it an issue? Is it a congenital degenerative thing? I don't think they think it is. Um, I don't think it, they think it's anything major. I think they expect him to be back fairly quickly. But I think, quite honestly, if he weren't on that active, you know, pup list, I think that he would. Uh, they would be treating him with veteran gloves. I don't think he'd be t- doing much anyway. So I, I don't think he's going to necessarily fall behind um, if he misses a day or two. But like we talked about before, lining up next to a guy and getting all the communication, all those kind of things, is, an, is, some, is a plus. And if you're on those lists, you can't do that. So, um, you know, at some point in time, you like to see him come back and, and start to be in the mix in that, in that part of the process getting ready for the regular season um but yeah i r- right now um it's 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 very very wise to play everything with him on the safe side right now and and don't push anything um but when you start talking about back issues those those things are are they can be very very tricky so you want to curb it you want to nip it in the bud as quickly as you possibly can I want to circle back to Jesse Bates for a second. You played professionally for 12 years, so you went through contract negotiations. You had plenty of teammates, obviously, that had difficult contract negotiations. Are you at all concerned about kind of a ripple effect among the locker room of a popular player who the Bengals were not able to extend? That that can be an issue. I mean, you know, a guy like Jesse Bates, who's held in such high regard by his te- not only his teammates, the coaches, and the organization, front office, management, everybody. And, you know, it's like um, Anthony Munoz, for example. When, when Anthony Munoz had made, I don't know how many consecutive, uh, you know, pro ball um, appearances and all pro uh, recognitions, he had to hold out to get a contract done. And, and the feeling in the locker room was, man, if Anthony's holding out, what chance do I ever have of getting a second or a third contract? So there is a little bit of that. But, you know, then the other business side of it is, you know, you can't overpay anywhere because there are other guys you have to sign as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough balancing act. But there is, I think, a, 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 that's real. That's, that's not imaginary. That's, that's real. I mean, you're going to hear guys saying, Justin needs to be here. You've already heard guys saying it. And I think, I think that, that's going to echo more and more as time wears on if Jesse's not in camp. So I, I do think that's, uh, that's, that's a little bit of, you know, something that, uh, that needs to be handled. But I do also feel that this football team, even though it's young in terms of year service, it's very mature, you know, in terms of 
their cohesiveness and understanding, you know, um, the chemistry of what it takes to put a team together and the business aspect of it when you, you know, you kind of filter that into it as well. So I, I don't, I don't think there's going to be any mutiny or, you know, anything close to that. I don't, I don't think looking at anything like that. I don't think it's going to get, uh, contentious like that. But, uh, you know, it, it's always, it's always something that you have to address because, you know, <laughs> if you ignore it, uh, the infection starts to spread. I know training camp was brutal. Back when you played, Forrest Gregg was tough. Seven preseason games one year. But having said that, do you miss it? <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, um, th- this time of year I always felt like when I was a player that I was so fortunate to be able to do what I was about to embark on, you know. And and it's like they they can't they can't ask me to do anything that I I wouldn't I'd be like I, I'm definitely doing this. Think back to when you were six, seven, eight years old. Are you kidding me? You would have done. You would have run through, you know, a house on fire to in, in a gasoline suit to to play in the National Football League. And I always looked at it that way. Um, but there were there were some challenges. There were some <laughs> some trying times. There's there's no question about it. Uh, and uh, were there difficult periods? Yeah, for sure. Would would you do them all over again? Hell yeah. I do it again, and I do it again, and I do it again. Um, I guess that's just the nature of the beast. And I think, I think that's what uh, you know. Zach and the organization's talking about where football. There's a lot of things that you get. Uh, you're treated well as a professional football player. You're compensated well as a professional football player. But you got to love the game. You got to love the grind of the game. You got to love the preparation you have to have for the game, both mentally, physically, and all that. And and I'll say that that time period there was the most joyous time of my life. And and uh, even though training camp at the end of the at the end of the, some of those days of training camp, before you close your eyes, because you'd sleep like a log. But I'd say, you know what? This is tough. This is a challenge. There's no doubt about. It, but there's no place else I'd rather be right now. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. It's free-to-play next-level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.